Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You could do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Today's scripture is from Luke 22, verses 14 through 21. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new, this cup poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. Morning, y'all. My name is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I serve as the interim site pastor here at Urban Village Church Edgewater, and I'm just so thankful for you. Uh, Getting up out of bed on a rainy day is not my favorite thing to do. I like to serve the great God of comfort uh, as well. So thanks for being here, but also thanks to all of you because you make church happen. It is all of us together. Will you pray with me? God, you are um, comfort and healing to us. Bless us this morning. Open our ears to hear what you have to say. Open up our hearts to be receptive to your message. And open us up to experiencing you new, afresh, this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our passage came from Luke this morning, but it's a passage that is often repeated in lots of other Gospels and also repeated by Paul in 1 Corinthians. It is the story of Jesus' last meal. Sometimes we call it the Last Supper. Jesus knows that he's going to die, that death is looming, and so he gathers people together, his squad, his crew, for this final meal. He knows soon he is to leave for brutal violence and a gruesome death. And so the last thing he wants to do is eat. And so he offers this cryptic message that wasn't in the reading this morning, but let me just tell you what he does. He talks to his favorite uh, crew members, John and Peter, and he says, hey, go ahead. There's this guy carrying a jug. Follow him. Talk to the owner. Say, we need to borrow an upper room. The Lord needs it. And so they do. They follow and are commanded, and they prepare this space for the supper. And they decorate the table with all of the traditional elements. There's this lamb shank spoon and uh, a glass of bitter herbs and then parsley with salt water and boiled eggs. They are prepared to remember the story of their foreparents of faith in this 
oversized upper room. And the sounds of the city gasp as they whip through the windows and they get ready for their meal. The story they tell is the story of the spirit of death. They share the same story every time this year. They remember the promises of their God. On a similarly fear-filled night, long ago, the Hebrew people sat behind closed doors. They had dimmed the lights and they had pulled the curtains closed and they sat hushed for fear that the spirit of death would hear them and come peeking around the corner to check out with curiosity. They did this because Moses had gone to the Pharaoh for the final time, the 10th time, this time with an ultimatum. Let the Hebrew people out of slavery, set them free from your tyrannical, maniacal, manipulative power, or the God of creation will start massacring the firstborn. The firstborn male of every house, the firstborn cattle of every flock, the firstborn of all creation throughout Egypt. And Pharaoh, even this threat of violence is not enough to stop his pride or to deter his greed. And so many were punished. One man's abuse and then the systemic pressure to maintain a free labor force and the need to be perceived as powerful and a strong man. Pharaoh refuses the plea and damns his people to a lifetime of grief. And Pharaoh forces God to keep God's promise of destruction. As the spirit slips through the houses of Egypt that night, God's people smell the flesh that begins to decay and rot in the streets. They know God has been forced to keep God's promise. And before the sun rises, Pharaoh reverses his executive order. He releases the captives of Egypt and frees them for the promised land. And so I found this picture that I really like. Maybe it's going to be up there. We'll see. We've been having technical stress this morning. Technical stress, not difficulties, just a little bit of stress. But then Jesus and his people sit around. Oh, uh, I'm a little off, but this, the, fir- the next one is the first one. <laughs> So the next image, Jesus and his disciples gather around and say, raise a glass to freedom. Like lyrics from a Lin-Manuel Miranda song, when our children tell the story, they'll tell the story of tonight. So let's have another round and let's raise a glass to freedom. In this meal, which Jesus and his squad gather to remember, they raise a wine glass. They actually raise four wine glasses, several, because this party is lit. They raise a wine glass to liberation, the liberation of their people and a promise for continued survival amidst the threat of violence and slavery and destruction. And they raise a glass, maybe this is the second glass, to God who remains faithful, the God who was faithful to Abraham and to Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah, of whom they are descendants which number as many stars as there are in the universe and as many grains of sand as there are in the desert. And they do this as a reflection on their Jewish heritage. So this will go back to that other slide, the first slide. Uh, Jesus invokes the language of their Jewish heritage to create this new 
ritual. New not as in brand new, but new as in breathing in new life and restoring and rebuilding something new, refreshed. And the meal reflects the language of Passover. If you've ever been to a Seder meal, they say these two phrases throughout the meal. They say, blessed art you, O Lord, king of the universe, who brought forth bread uh, from the earth. Praise be to you, O Lord, king of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And so we hear those whispers in our communion table today as we bless and break the bread, as we share the cup, the fruit with one another. So Jesus is making this continuation of God's covenant, the covenant that God had made with God's people, that God had restored and provided freedom for God's people. Jesus is continuing this covenant with his friends, his squad. God makes a covenant between God and God's people, and Jesus is then the ultimate fulfillment of that covenant. Jesus is given to the world in order to set people, from free, set people free from cycles of violence and oppression and bondage and even death. And so Jesus tells his posse, you remember what this bread and cup symbolize for our people for generations. All the way back to that fit-filled, fear-filled night when people huddled behind curtains in Egypt. This meal is a reminder that God is faithful. And I am here to tell you, Jesus says, that God continues to be faithful. I'm here to remind you that one day God will get everything God wants. So this table that we eat at every week, it's kind of like a a timeline in a way. It stretches us all the way into the past where we are connected to our forefathers and mothers of faith. And this timeline, it's not like a classroom timeline where it's built on the wall, but it's kind of cosmic because then it stretches all the way into the future, connecting us to God's good vision for the world, God's desires and God's future. When death will be no more, when pain will be no more, when suffering does not rip our bodies. And so this table becomes for us a timeline of our religious history and our religious future, connecting us to siblings of faith who have gone before us and siblings of faith that we have yet to meet. This table stretches into the future. And Jesus, around the table that night, was telling his kind of daft disciples that this table will continue into the kingdom when God gets everything God wants. Only now this has a renewed meaning so that when we eat of the bread and the cup, we remember God's not finished with us yet. It ain't over. Over the last few weeks, we've been exploring um, the important tenets of the United Methodist Church. And the United Methodist Church, just a little uh, explanation, is a part of a denomination, which a denomination is just a churchy word to say a collection of churches that have gathered around a similar belief and ideals The United Methodist Church, there'll be a test at the end, so don't. The United Methodist Church is a denomination of which UBC inserts itself and finds itself. It is a member, UBC, of the larger United Methodist Church, the heritage and the denominational teachings. And it teaches us how we approach the table of welcome. And for United Methodists, 
If you're not a United Methodist, don't worry. I do not identify as United Methodist, but because we are all part of, of Urban Village Church, we're all kind of United Methodist adjacent, so this is a part of our heritage now too. But United Methodist polity says that God's grace permeates throughout all of creation. As creatures created by a gracious, loving God, you and I are just dripping with God's grace, saturated. And United Methodists firmly believe that all are welcome at God's table because God doesn't discriminate who gets to receive God's grace, but that God kind of sneezes and lavishes God's grace all over creation. And so, we are dripping with this overwhelming, kind of wasteful, and maybe now a little bit gross, <laughs> grace of God infused in us. And not only that, is it for us, United Methodists or United Methodist adjacent folks, it is also for the whole world. Therefore, all are welcome at God's table because God graciously welcomes all. So take your pick of any of the letters, LGBTQIA+, some more that are yet to be invented, I'm not woke enough to know yet. You are welcome here. In a country that seems to value the supremacy of whiteness, God says, you know what? The melanin in your skin and your ancestors and your cultural, cultural tradition, all of that is welcome here. Bring all of you to this table, God says. You are welcome. And I have told you several times, because it is who I am, and I can't divorce myself from where I grew up. I grew up in Texas. And in Texas, we don't say, all of you are welcome. We say, y'all. So all means y'all are welcome. Because it means we know that not everyone has heard the good news of God's work in this world. Not everybody knows that God sent out this awful, nasty sneeze of grace on the all of creation. And so, with God's love splashing over everything, it means it is essential for us to go out past these walls and say, hey, you know what? Y'all are welcome, too. You thought you weren't welcome because of how you identify or who you love or how you look, but y'all are welcome here. And y'all, no, no, and all means y'all. Y'all means all. So you come here, it's real Texas, y'all. So we come here and understand God's grace that already flows through our vein, but we also invite people to come and learn more about the grace that is already flowing through their veins. Come here to learn more about the history of the ancestors of our faith who taught us that God sets people free from oppression and cycles of bondage and even death. Y'all are welcome here to be your beautiful, messy, complicated selves. Because we believe that one day there will be a great meal. It will be much bigger than the table here. I mean, this, this is a real sad attempt at making this a really lovely table with these uh, Mardi Gras beads. But we believe that this table, although this meal might look somewhat meager, is just a foretaste of what God has prepared for us in the future. When God gets everything God wants, we will be at a similar banquet table, but it will be pouring with all the Mardi Gras beads you can put around your tiny little neck. It will be pouring with all of your favorite uh, Sauvignon Blanc or Cabernet 
or your favorite uh, key lime flavored LaCroix, that's my jam. It will all be there. Gluten will be no longer struggling in our tummies, but we will eat and be satisfied in this meal when God gets everything God wants. But you know what also happens? Is that God takes up that cup of death and licks up the last little libations of death and swallows death whole and says, pain and suffering are no more. Death no longer has power over us. And so when we come and eat at the table of God, we are reminded that this world is not finished yet and that someday God will get everything God wants. It is a meal of remembrance. And so we are given to this world just as Christ, just as Jesus gave of the bread and the cup to his disciples. He gave himself for the world, and as followers of Jesus, we are given to be people of welcome and celebration to the rest of the world. Much like Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it, and much like he gave it to his disciples, we are blessed and we are broken and we are given to the rest of the world. We are given to usher in God's kingdom that is not something far off distant in the future, but that we are continually pulling into our reality every time we go and tell someone, hey, y'all are welcome here. We are given to the world to continue to proclaim that God is still working and continues to move us towards God's great things. And so we are given in relationship to one another. Because of our participation in this meal, that little timeline I described that's more not as much linear and more kind of cosmic, it means that you and I, our life is not just a blip on a timeline of creation. That we go just a little bit and then we are unnoticed and forgotten. No, it means that we are caught up in this movement that stretches back, this movement that is pushing us forward, stretching all the way back to the garden of creation, all the way forward to when God gets what God wants, God's good dream. And so we take and eat of the bread and we fill our mouths with yeast, and flour, and grapes, and we taste the hope for tomorrow. So we're going to do something a little weird. As if this morning has not been a little weird enough, as it is, we're going to turn to your neighbor. Uh, say, hey, neighbor. You look super excited about this. <laughs> Just letting you know. If you don't like talking in small groups, you're going to feel uncomfortable for a little bit of a time. If you want to report out what you and your partner discuss, you are going to have an opportunity to do that. So make sure you have on your keen listening ears to what your partner says. Turn to your neighbor, preferably someone you don't share a home with or a bed with or something of that nature, someone you don't know as well. And we're going to ask... If all are welcome at the table of our God, who is still excluded? How can UBC continue to include and welcome? Are there people you know of in your life or in your world that don't feel included? And then the second question, just as Jesus gave bread to his disciples, we too are given to the world. And so you, 
for what or to whom are you given? You're going to have four minutes to discuss with your neighbor. That means one minute on each question per person. You're going to be timed. I'm going to be up here counting down. If you hear your neighbor say something so incredible and you want to like put that back in your mind grapes to like ferment a little bit later, uh, feel free to share that with the rest of us in our reporting out session in just a second. So four minutes. Talk to your neighbor. What are ways we can continue to include the excluded? To whom or for what are you given? You've got 20 minutes, 20 seconds. You can play them out. So, did you hear anything you just can't help but share? That the person next to you in your conversation was just so smart and they said something you think the rest of us should know? This is my resting, smiling face. <laughs> the joy of the work of being an inclusive church is that there will always be, and the stress of it, is that there will always be people who are not included, who have felt for some reason that church was not a place for them or that they don't have the right things they need to bring before God. And the joy of our work is to say, yes, you are welcome here. And if you feel excluded in our community, uh, help us to gain understanding of how to include you better. As an anti-racist, LGBTQ-affirming church, we are on this journey. We are not completely anti-racist. And I don't know if we ever will be until God gets everything God wants. And so we are to be about a community who is constantly analyzing what we're doing to be more inclusive. That is the work that we do that is Jesus-like. And we are given to the world. We are given maybe to individuals or to people to share the good news of God with them. But we're also given for a mission to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Will you pray with me? God of the covenant who freed our ancestors of faith. In the grace of the cross, Jesus embraced, you, God, embraced the power of death, and you broke death's hold over us. Give us courage to remember that despite all evidence of the contrary, you, God, are victorious and are working towards your good dream in this world. So we say, blessed art you, O oh God, ruler of the universe, who brought forth bread from the earth. Praise be you, O Lord, ruler of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. May this bread and cup be sustenance, a reminder of the day one day when you, God, will get everything you want, when we will dance and wipe away each other's cheer, tears in celebration 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.